Surgery is a huge part of healthcare and often provides the most durable, most efficient uh, solution. But it has a cost. And to me, the dream is that cost is zero. This is Annie DeMelt, and this is a Code Life interview, part of a series about innovation in healthcare, brought to you by the Montreal General Hospital Foundation. Surgery is a major, potentially life-changing event that can drastically improve a patient's quality of life. At the Montreal General Hospital alone, consider this, 10,000 patients underwent surgery every year pre-pandemic, and of course the number of people needing surgery is on the rise. Our guest today is Dr. Leanne Feldman, Surgeon-in-Chief for the MUHC. Dr. Feldman is proposing a major 10-year initiative focused on optimizing surgical performance and outcomes at the MGH. The proposal is called The Future of Surgery. Dr. Feldman, nice to see you again. Thank you. So, you know, you are, I've heard you introduced as a surgical influencer very recently. You've <laughs> dedicated a lot of your career to uh, innovation in surgery and uh, recovery as well. So for many, many years working on that, I want to know in your next phase, in your next step, this 10-year vision, first of all, if you were to summarize what um, the future of surgery would look like for you. Well, no doubt, as you said, surgery has come a long way from what people might imagine in their mind when they hear the word surgery. Uh, but in the past 30 years, there's been an incredible revolution in surgery, and surgery has become safer, uh, more personalized, more precise, uh, with faster recovery for patients, fewer complications, and better results. And the future of surgery really will accelerate that and bring uh, new technologies, um, to, to patients to even improve, further improve recovery from what we have now. What would the dream be for you or how for, when, when you're perform, performing your last surgeries, you know, you're <laughs> from your first to your last, what would, what would it look like for you? The reason I got, I was interested in minimally invasive surgery and then enhanced recovery was not the stuff. I'm not a tech, I'm not a gearhead. I'm not a technology lover or person. Anyone will tell you that. To me, it was about, uh, the get, avoiding the negative impacts of surgery. Surgery cures people. Surgery fixes people. Surgery improves quality of life. Anyone who's had cancer surgery, anyone who's had joint surgery, they've had a fracture and it's been fixed, understand that that's a huge, surgery is a huge part of healthcare and often provides the most durable, most efficient uh, solution. But it has a cost. And to me, the dream is that cost is zero. Uh, that surgery, it's always kind of magic surgery, uh, but that it really is magic that, you know, the incisions are in, almost invisible and that the, what happens on the inside to fix somebody or to solve a problem uh, don't have any cost to patients. They don't have any downtime in terms of their recovery. Uh, they don't have, it's, it's safe uh, it is very tailored to their particular needs and that they have an amazing result without that downtime. Uh, mm -hmm. That's the dream. Um, you know. And you can also just think of, you know, the, the massive cost savings for the healthcare system as well. As you're saying that, you know, very little downtime afterwards. Um, help us sort of imagine what impact that would have on, on the healthcare system to be able to do that. Right. I mean, the the fewer resources that anybody needs to have the result, the more access we have. 
because as a, as a society, um, you know, healthcare costs on our provincial budget, you know, the curve is exponential. Uh, we, after the United States, Canada spends the largest proportion on their GDP on healthcare. Um, we, that's not sustainable. Um, we have demographic changes in our population, and we can't keep doing the things we've been doing and hope that it all turns out okay. There has to be that kind of revolutionary shift, and many of the elements are there, and we're lucky at the MGH, many of them are, are there at the MGH to allow us to be part of those solutions. What are you hoping to build at the MGH that will then be exportable beyond right. the walls? Well, I mean, our, our vision is is, uh, is is to be a leading center for robotic surgery internationally, just like we have been in minimally invasive surgery and in enhanced recovery after surgery. Uh, and both of those examples were uh, technologies or innovations that were developed at the MGH and that have been widely adopted uh locally, provincially, nationally, internationally. So that's the vision, is to really develop that kind of impact in robotic surgery. Um, and there are clinical needs that we have now to use existing technologies and bring those to patients. So those are things that we have to acquire and buy so that we can train um, the next generation uh, in these techniques that are already being used. And... Um, there are what we want to develop in the future, um, which has to do with building a research program and an innovation program uh, focused on robotics, really as not because it's a shiny new toy, but because from what we've always looked at, which is the recovery for patients and the results for patients as a way to bring uh, less invasive surgery, more precise surgery with better results and just building on what we already have done, uh, I do think this is the next frontier. Where are we at now with minimally invasive surgery that is setting the stage for the next step? So there's the minimally invasive surgery and just bringing that back to how we reorganize care. We're building on minimally invasive surgery, but attending to all of those little other, all of the elements that go into having a great result from surgery. So whether that's nutrition, exercise, whether that's how we use what pain medications we're choosing, and we call that enhanced recovery after surgery, these kind of pathways that we've built around minimally invasive surgery. Um, but I think... Um, We've, we've come, and, and we're offering minimally invasive surgery. Just to give you an example, when I was training, when we did bowel surgery or colon surgery, that w with open, traditional open techniques and traditional surgical care, um, that would be, you know, a week in hospital if you didn't have any complications. Mm -hmm. um, we're, uh, our colleagues in colorectal surgery, uh, we have a fantastic colorectal surgery group, uh, are doing many of those kind of complex bowel surgeries as day surgery procedures now uh, with the kind of advanced techniques that they've developed as well as other supports for people to be able to have them leave the hospital. I'll give an example of what we can do. And I think we've, we, we're really, we're providing a large percentage of our care by those laparoscopic techniques, but there are some uh, operations that we just simply cannot do with the instrumentation that we have for laparoscopy because they're quite rigid uh, instruments, you can think of it as uh, like a scissors at the end of a scissors, and there's only so much you can do with scissors. You can cut this way or you can cut this way. Um, with some of the techniques that uh, platforms that are available in ro robotic surgery, um, which is still the surgeon uh, controlling the instrumentation. They're not 
like autonomous <laughs> robots doing surgery. Uh, but the instrumentation is much more flexible. It's it, these are wristed instruments, so it gives you the idea of inst- you know instead of those two degrees of freedom, you have that really six degrees of freedom or more of the ability to get into spaces that you would not be able to get in and do things uh, with those kind of instruments that you just cannot do uh, as easily uh, or some sometimes not at all with traditional laparoscopy. Okay. And again, what would that difference, what would the difference be for a patient who's undergoing right. that type of surgery and, you know, has that the privilege of the benefit of having the, the robotics right. that used? Um, so the, the idea would be that for procedures that we are doing with open surgery now, uh, some of those procedures we would be able to offer minimally invasive mm-hmm. by using robotics. Okay. Now, robotics is a standard of care. We're already using it for many procedures, but this is looking to how we can really advance that field uh, or adopt some of those more advanced techniques into our armamentarium um, so we have one of these robotic platforms uh, that's uh, used in urology, gynecology, and head and neck surgery. Uh, but we'd really like to offer it to um, people having other kinds of surgeries at the MGH. Uh, as you know, we, we have a, a special focus in thoracic surgery and some complex abdominal types of surgeries, uh, which uh, we, we don't have that platform available to us yet. Another big element of, of the future of surgery when we talk about the future of surgery is uh, this, you know, we know in healthcare and in, all, in a lot of fields, it's going to be this data revolution, right? Mm. What will that look like, uh, maybe in combination with robotics as well for patients, for you? What does that future look like? Right. So um, in robotic surgery, um, everything that is done in the operating room is, is you can think of it as being recorded. Uh, not just what the image that the surgeon might see or that the team might see on a screen, the same as it is in laparoscopy or in minimally invasive surgery, but also every movement that the surgeon is making to, to, to perform the surgery. And so that's a huge amount of information. Um, and the OR in the past has been a bit of a black box, difficult to study what happens in the operating room, uh, difficult to record what happens, and then to link it with, with what the results were for that patient either complications that can occur or the final result for those patients. By having the ability to link what happens in a data, in the idea of data, of linking and integrating data, means that we would have information about how the operation went, how the operation was actually done, the movements that were done, and linking it to the results from the patient. So um, not just complications, but complications would be important, but also did that knee replacement improve their quality of life? What happened to their pain? And linking that to exactly how the operation was done. So you can imagine that in the future, if we were thinking about the future, we might think of computer vision uh, being coming into the operating room to help the surgeon with decision making at the time. Is that suture going in exactly the right angle uh, to have a great result? Are we getting too close to a structure that we shouldn't be close to? Uh, so you can start to understand, like, you know, if you're driving your car and you have a newer car and it's sort of alarms when you're getting too close to something, mm-hmm. something of, of that nature, that's all about integrating data with optics. Um, so the idea of integrating all the data, it sounds like a really big idea, but it's really about connecting information. Some of it we already have. Yeah, a lot of it already exists, right? right? And is being collected right now. I think it's the, the, the most data that's being collected right now is linked to healthcare. Like we all mm. have it for all of us right <clears throat> now is just 
it, it's fusing it, and obviously there's some some challenges there. But um, and so so also would be it would become very predictive, right? That's right. the whole the whole idea, and and also to be able to get data from perhaps eventually around the world and say f- for educational purposes as well. Right. So the more data, it's sort of another example would be using something like Waze. It's predicting if you go this way, you're going to have this result. Mm-hmm. So it's the same idea. And Waze works because everybody uses it. It's great. And everybody uses it from all around the world. And there's millions of data points all the time. And you need that kind of large data to be able to start having accurate predictions. Mm-hmm. So the idea would be, uh, on a population level, the idea of data or big data sets would be even um, predicting who is likely to have a certain disease in the future, uh, being much more precise with if there is a disease, uh, what is going to be the best treatment for that, that is most likely to have the best results. So that's the idea of this personalization. Mm-hmm. Um, and bringing in interventional sciences, including surgery, so other techniques could be endoscopy or a heart procedures where it's catheter-based, all of these interventions that are now really, there's always, almost always a computer between uh, when we're performing surgery, for sure for minimally invasive or robotic, between the surgeon and the patient. And it's about how we use all that data to really improve precision and results for patients. Mm. I want to talk a little bit about wearables um yeah. because there's a lot of talk about wearables yeah. in healthcare across the board right yeah so for for surgery where would that come in pre post surgery during perhaps right. uh, where you know, how do you see wearables uh being used to, to optimize yeah surgery? so this comes back to the idea of all the data that we have um so if we're looking at how somebody how we know that somebody has recovered recovered well Uh, It may be that they're back to doing their normal activities as they did before, uh, because we know surgery takes a period of recovery. Um, So wearables might help us monitor people even after they left the hospital to see where they are in that in that journey. It may help us predict when somebody is optimized before surgery. Um, And we've had a lot of interest in digital health wearables included, but also ways to monitor people. Uh, after they left the hospital. Because now, if we've gone from a week in hospital to a few hours in hospital, we know that the majority of the recovery for a patient is going to be outside the hospital now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with wearables or other digital health solutions, we know that we would have a way uh, to monitor people. Even you could think about, uh, even in, in an automated way, um, just like in the operation, we monitor people's hearts and lungs, and it gives us a sense of if there's a problem coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can see that this idea of prediction, as you mentioned. Um, so the more information that we have, uh, I think that increases the potential for bringing in those cool new ideas. And it, but it's, it's being done a little bit already, right? Yeah. Like where you would go home and then maybe you see the heart rate's not right. It, would it, you know, you'd contact your doctor? Is that, is that how right. it works right now? Um, I would say that, um, th- that we would have the potential for that in a large way and we're studying it. Mm-hmm. I would say that but one thing we are doing in clinical care is uh, providing in colorectal, for example, Uh, One of the ways that I think we've been safely able to really, in some, it's not for every patient, but in those selected patients to be able to go home right away is they're going home with a digital health application uh, that provides all the patient information and and material that we've developed as part of these care pathways over many years. 
Uh, it also provides a way to for, for, you know, if you've ever been in hospital, you know that in the morning, the surgical team comes around and says, how are you feeling? Did you drink? Are you nauseous? Did you pass gas? Uh, how's your pain? Are you walking? All of those we can easily get sort of like rounding You'll virtually, <laughs> right? And then an ability for patients to communicate with their healthcare team, which is a big challenge now, as we know, contacting a healthcare provider, we know is a big is a big challenge in our system. Uh, and technology provides fantastic uh, works, you know, solutions for that. And we know that with uh, some of the digital health uh, platforms that we've uh, researched and used um, in, in, in part of support of these enhanced recovery programs, that we've actually shown a decrease in the need to come back to an emergency room, for example. So we know that our emergency rooms, we all know, are uh, completely overwhelmed. Uh, so some patients uh, need to come to the clinic or needed a question answered, and the only entry right now is often through the emergency room. So this helped us prevent those unnecessary visits, which are very distressing for everybody, uh, let alone, of course, we don't have the capacity uh, to care for patients well in the emergency room. But So if you can avoid being in the emergency room, I mean, that's, that's, a great, that's a great result. Thank you very much, Dr. Feldman. It was a great talk. My, my <laughs> pleasure. You. It was fun. And thank you for joining us for this Code Life interview. For more information on this initiative and others made possible by the support of donors, you can go to the Montreal General Hospital Foundation's website, codelife.ca, and you can also follow us on social media. See you next time. <laughs>